You're listening to the Horizons Church Podcast. It's funny because none of our listeners will be able to appreciate this for its fullness, but we both leaned away from our microphones at the same time and did the pre-recording throat clear. Yes, we did. Before the recording yeah. began. So that was that was a moment. <laughs> the coffee only helps me stay a little bit more awake. It doesn't necessarily <laughs> help my voice. That's right. I can't do coffee with milk in it before like I preach or do like oh, big public speaking. You get a lot of throat clearing yeah, business. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's... Yeah, I'm sure there's science behind that. I'm sure. Dairy, <laughs> etc. I don't know. I'm kind of just yeah. making it up at this point. But uh, well, this is this is a you know as a, as the listeners might know, non-dairy coconut milk. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. It's just everything. You know. It's yeah. Just it's not water. So. That's know. true. That's true. Also, with water, room temperature. It has to be room temperature. That's my. What? I, I guess because if it's super cold, it like tightens. Yeah. And that's not fun either. Yeah. Yeah. So I've actually, yeah. it's kind of funny because I will leave water bottles out overnight at the church. So like on a Saturday night, yeah, I'll just leave them sitting out. So that way they're not cold. Yeah. And I've had, I've had people very well meaning. So like, it's not a big deal, but like, you know, they'll come in. I'm like, oh, these are room temperature. We'll just get you a nice cold one. And I drink it. I'm like, oh no, it's cold. <laughs> anyway, uh, that's a big first world you know problem right done? there. Look at that. Uh, right. That's that. great. Yeah, that's fun. So anyway, what's good with you? Uh, you know, um, I'll tell you actually what. We are getting ever closer to the end of summer. <laughs> oh, wow. Yes. I've had enough. We both feel very uh, differently about yeah. that. <laughs> but man, the autumn is where it's at. I could I do, do like autumn. Fall. I could do autumn year round. It's I do so like nice. that. I do like fall. Temperate, you know, beautiful. Leaves. You get a little, little bit of spookiness in there. Mm, Comes yeah. and goes as you wish. If you don't want to do it, okay, yeah. I'll take it. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know, Halloween. We did an episode on that. We did. We did an episode on Halloween. You can go back and listen to that if you want. <laughs> That suits your fancy. Yes, I, I'm looking forward to it once we yep. uh, hit the end of... I know I know. technically the weather is not a switch and the end of August doesn't do a hard shift, but I'd like to hope that maybe it might do that anyway. <laughs> it's like <laughs> just gonna... magically after August, like... <laughs> like a sudden cool some breeze. scene in a movie, like a yeah. cartoon where it's out of nowhere. That's what I'm Everything for. is different. Yeah, we'll Like see. someone comes in and rolls in a different sky. <laughs> trees or that's exactly what i want to happen like the scene in monty python and the holy grail yes that's yep yeah so. and then spring did a, a thing and and went straight into fall or went whatever it was i, don't I can't remember, remember the that sequence. but the the leaves fall on the guy and he's like oh that's what i'm hoping for you know yeah. i would love leaves to fall on me in a catastrophic manner <laughs> like? i'll take it oh uh, uh, i'm probably gonna need to rake leaves this year but oh uh, here nor there the leaves i have little little small slivers of leaves they're not like broad leaves. <laughs> what am I talking about? It's not broad leaves. <laughs> so I'm gonna just be like, mm, we'll see. I've never actually seen this property in the in the fall, so I'm probably gonna just say, looks nice as it is. <laughs> I anticipate <laughs> saying that. I anticipate that. Oh, I get it. We'll see. Well, anyway, on to other things. Yeah. I was recently struck by the fact that so much of our theology because we talk about theology a lot on the podcast yeah. it's a it's a it's a churchly christian you know <laughs> podcast so yeah talk about theology and it comes up you know we both work in a church yeah and we are both christians as it happens so you know it's all things that converge to make theology a topic of import and yeah. frequent discussion mm-hmm. but i was recently struck by the fact that so much of our theology is 
a theology of fill in the blank. Oh, okay. They get like that little preposition in front of it, right? Like a yeah. theology of culture or a theology of work, a theology of diaper changing, <laughs> you know, like a theology of coffee, um, yeah, okay. you know, whatever have you. And that's good. Okay, so I'm not here to say we're going to stop doing that, right? <laughs> Because we have Paul's famous words in places like 1 Corinthians 10.31, where he says, whatever you do, do it to the glory of God. And that necessarily means that theology has to intersect with all the ofs of life, right? You know, like you have to have those theologies. So our theology must and inevitably does. You don't really get a choice in the matter. Like (laughs) your theology does change the way you interact with neighbors, the world, etc. So I'm not saying that's bad, right? Yeah, but maybe it's more often that in these kind of discussions, we pour this theology into a vessel of our choosing. And it's like less about the theology, less about the faith itself and more like how it's flavored or rather actually how these other things are flavored by the theology instead of actually getting in deep for what it is. Yes, exactly. Mm. Look, you've nailed it right onto the head, as they say. <laughs> is that you how it's right on the head? That's what they, they say. <laughs> they take the nail and they drive it right into a person's forehead. <laughs> right? <laughs> like, yes, you, bonk. <laughs> That's it. That was where Martin Luther actually nailed his 95 theses. The first lobotomy. <laughs> yes, that was it. <laughs> but no, you're exactly right. The danger of doing something like that is theology becomes not so much about God, which is mm. what theology is ultimately supposed to be about, yeah, yeah. and more about, oh, here are these things out here, mm. and that's what our primary concern What, are these, what are these things when they're flavored by faith? Yes, exactly, exactly. Yeah. Like, oh, we've baptized, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, this yeah. thing into that, and it's, it's not great. So I think it would be worthwhile and healthy for us to remember that at its heart, theology should then be theological, which is a weird thing to say, right? Like, that's okay. what in the world? You know, like, isn't theology inherently theological? Mm. Like, well, depends on how you're working with it, right? Yeah, okay. Because like we said, we run the risk of making theology a servant of other things when it should be the master, so to speak. Mm. We should have what the great theologian John Webster called theological theology. Oh, that's a precedent for this, Yes, huh? yes, there is, yes. John Webster said it, dagnabbit, and he was great. <laughs> But then the question is, what did he mean by that? Mm. And he meant basically that we ought to do theology simply to know who God is in order to love him more deeply, contemplate him more fully, understand him as close to the way he's revealed himself as we can and gaze upon his face with what sight we have, right? Because if our theology doesn't have space for a passage like Psalm 27.4, we probably need to rethink our theology because a verse like Psalm 27.4 says... One thing have I asked of the Lord, that will I seek after, which, (laughs) one thing, like there's one thing the psalmist is asking for there, which is crazy, right? Because of all the things you can ask for, and Jesus himself told us we can ask for, and then we ought to ask for, like the Lord's prayer, you ask for stuff, right? So again, I'm not downplaying that or saying stop doing it or it's unimportant, Mm -hmm. but the psalmist narrows all of that stuff down to one thing. And the one thing that he's asked of the Lord and will seek after is that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. Hmm. Which like is how, pretty profound. I like how he said one thing and then kind of listed three. Yeah, <laughs> In a manner of speaking. But is that kind of to suggest we ought to traffic in theology kind of as an end unto itself or what it has to offer or, or as you described, like to know God more fully? Like, for the purpose that it serves in doing so, that should actually be the fundamental goal. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you've, uh, once again, nailed it in the head exactly. Just, I'm just repeating what you head. said. <laughs> yeah, because 
ultimately, at the end of the day, all of this stuff is meant to bring us back to God. Um, and so a theology that doesn't have a concept for simply bringing us before the feet of the Lord and putting us in a place where we can sit before him, so to speak, mm. and just enjoy being in his presence and receiving from him, as the Apostle John would say, grace upon grace from the fullness of God. You have an anemic theology, I think, right? And I think I'm now I'm getting into a, a, a diatribe, but part of the, the problem here and the task that I think we're trying to suggest we all need to partake in as Christians is I think there was this move, <laughs> your pendulum swing, right? Yeah, like course. they just go from one end to the other. And there's a sense in which that's good because if a pendulum stops swinging, that means the clock isn't working, right? <laughs> but you had this pendulum swing from... You have a very contemplative, high view of God theology that exists throughout the medieval era and through, you know, the pre-enlightenment period. And then you get this idea that, okay, like, well, sometimes your scholastic theology becomes so divorced from real life mm. that it's like, how is this actually changing the way I live life on the ground? It like begins God, to feel theoretical. Yeah, it does. And it actually, ironically, ends up missing God even. Yeah. But it also has no concept for helping people understand God put you in a world, mm. a physical world where he did ask you to do things, right? He did ask you to yeah. work and change diapers and <laughs> do all this stuff. And your theology ought to influence that. And so you had this pendulum swing of, we're going to really talk and focus in on a theology of fill in the blank. Yeah. And I think the thing that now we're having to come to grips with is there has to also, again, be a place for saying theological theology mm. and just sitting before the Lord and allowing theology to bring us before him, so to speak. Yeah. In the uh, contemplation of the soul. And and I think actually a, a paradigm that's been helpful for me in thinking about this is there's a way of doing what we might call Martha theology and Mary theology. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So I'm referring to that story in Luke 10, 38 to 42, mm -hmm. which uh, we can just read the whole thing because it's very short and it goes like this. Now, as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listened to his teaching. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. But the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha, you are anxious and troubled about many things, but one thing is necessary. There's the one thing again. Mm. Mary has chosen the good portion, which will not be taken away from her. Troubled about many things. Uh, do you ever feel so seen that you wish you weren't? <laughs> Yeah, like really stands out in a, an uncomfortable way. It's like, like I want to be known and seen, but not that much, please, <laughs> please. Oh, yeah, but it's so interesting like, that one thing shows up again. It does. It does. And uh, if we want to use this story as a template, there is a way of reading the Bible, praying, and meditating that I think you can safely say certainly keeps Jesus in the room. He's in the same house. <laughs> But you completely miss him yeah, because okay. so busy asking, what can I do with this? Mm. Like, okay, you jump immediately to what does this have to say about X, Y, or Z? Fill in the blank. And in doing so, it's easy to become anxious and troubled about many things, right? Like you just completely get off track from the fact that, oh, I am sitting at the feet of Christ. I am hearing him speak to me. Whereas Mary precisely was content to just sit at the feet of Christ and listen and just yeah. be with him. Yeah. It is kind of interesting that as soon as I picture that, I find myself thinking like, yeah, but what do I fill that time with? You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here, but like, what's the order of operation? Yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> what, what disciplines do I need to override this yeah. meditative <laughs> moment with to, to like actually be holy or do something meaningful? Right. Invest in some. It's like I even am just theoretically <laughs> discussing this, tempted to kind of veer away from this. Yeah. And I think it was Soren Kierkegaard who said that there is a way of becoming so busy that you cannot form a heart. Ooh. And I think that you can do that with theology, yeah. which is the probably most tragic and ironic <laughs> practice of theology that you can find yourself using because you do, you just, you miss it. Yeah, it's funny because I wonder if we are tempted to not give credit to this practice, to recognize the value that is clearly inherent in it. Mm -hmm. Because when I think of like, what would this look like if I did this, right? Yeah. If I tried to practice this, I feel like I would, I would, um, it's like, what, what am I not mature enough to do something to, yeah. to engage in some way? It feels mm -hmm. like I am on the earliest, most immature steps of engagement. <laughs> like this, the tiniest, and that's kind of a backwards way to look at it, mm -hmm. clearly, because it's it being held up here. This exact yeah. practice is being held up. So I feel like there's probably a lot of work to do in developing a healthy view of what what this is. Yeah, yeah. And you may or may not remember that when we did our sermon series on the seven deadly sins, mm. talking about sloth, we tend to immediately jump to, oh, laziness and inactivity when we think of sloth. Yeah. But spiritual sloth defined as the church defined it for most of its history was really more about the failure to do what love requires, which means that yeah. there is a way of being slothful by doing too much, right? Because like, again, what did love require in this moment when Jesus is in the house and he is giving you himself mm. and speaking to you. Well, in this passage, what love required was sit at his feet and just receive. And instead, Martha's like, no, I'm working. I got to do this stuff. Yeah. Ironically, it's like there is a way of doing so much ostensibly for God. That's good stuff that you completely miss him. Mm. And you fail, you know, again, to use the Kierkegaard thing, like to let him shape and mold your heart, yeah. which is often much harder work. Like that is hard. You know, it is. <laughs> I think anyone who's struggled with this knows it's harder to have these kinds of moments yeah. than to just go do something. It is infinitely harder, I think. And again, not saying you don't do that because Mary did do things after this, right? <laughs> like her life was changed. She went and did stuff. I mean, she followed the Lord. And this is actually the same Mary, in fact, who later poured the ludicrously expensive nard on Christ's feet mm -hmm. shortly before his death and yeah. wiped his feet with her hair. Like, I mean, she did stuff, right? But here's a moment where, okay, no, Christ is speaking. I'm going to sit and listen and let him work on my heart in this way. So I think the question is, are we doing theology as a means to achieve our own ends? Or are we doing theology as a means of achieving God's ends, which would namely be to love him, right? <laughs> to give ourselves completely to him, heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love our neighbors as ourselves. Because that is another important piece of this. Yeah, that plays a role. It does. It does. The second greatest commandment of all of them, as a matter of fact. But it is important. And I think at the end of the day, too, we're using the word theology a lot. And the danger with something like that, I think, is frequently, even our listeners might be thinking, I'm not a theologian. You know, I'm sure. not a professional trained theologian, but the reality is, again, every single person in the world, Christian or not, is a theologian. Like, everyone has a view on God. The question is, is are you a theologian who is more in line with the truth or not? Like, are you <laughs> using theology? Are you engaging in theology, I should say, properly or mm. improperly? Yeah. How are you relating to this, How do you this wield practice? It? Yes, yes. So... 
you know, practically, this whole discussion might look like this. Today or tomorrow, when you read your Bible, maybe don't jump immediately to the question of, how do I apply this? That's a perfectly good and legitimate question to ask, and you, you ought to ask it, okay? So I'm not saying drop the question from your litany, but rather maybe before you jump to that question immediately, you could sit there for at least a few minutes and ask, what is God saying to me mm. through this passage of scripture. What is Christ wanting me to hear and listen to? And after you dwell on that for a while, then you can ask, how do I apply this? And likewise with prayer, you know, don't jump immediately to God, please do this for me. Again, there is a place for asking God to do things. Sure, yeah. Jesus himself asked for things and taught us to ask for things in prayer. But I think it is uh, healthier for us to join with the psalmist and say, here's the first thing I'm asking for, that I may gaze upon your beauty. So, you know, you might begin your prayer instead with adoration. You might praise God for what you know of him. You might thank him for revealing himself and for giving you all the good gifts that you have and for sharing his endless goodness with you. And then you ask him to do things for you. But I think what I want to drive home again is that the starting point for a theological theology is God. We wouldn't even be able to engage in this properly if God hadn't first revealed himself to us. Mm. And so he is our launching point. And if we are not actually spending time with him, if we are not, as Paul would say, beholding his glory and being transformed from one degree of glory to another, nothing else is going to matter in the end. Because we could theoretically do everything right. The Pharisees Technically. did. Like, I mean, they tithe mint and dill and cumin. And Jesus said, if your righteousness does not surpass theirs, you don't get the kingdom. That's interesting. So like, you can do all of that and get all that nailed down nice and tight and tidy. But if you aren't actually with the Lord, dwelling upon his glory, you're not actually going to experience transformation that will make a practical, applicable difference in your life anyway. Mm. So let's have a little room in our conceptual tool belt for a theological theology. That is my simple plea. All right. And there you have it. So thanks as always for listening. If you did find this content helpful, questionable... <laughs> If you had questions, uh, you can email us at podcast at horizonschurch.net, or you can interact with us on social media. And if you want to leave us an honest five-star review, nice little theological review, a theology of <laughs> reviews, you can do that. And that'll be just swell. So at any rate, truly, thank you as always for listening and letting us share some time with you. And we'll catch you next time.